Welcome all to our Healthy Town Culpepper. Good morning to both our panelists and our audience. My name is Dee Dee McClure, and I'm a Senior Program Officer at Northern Piedmont Community Foundation. Our particular footprint covers four counties, Culpeper, Fauquier, Madison, and Rappahannock in the Virginia Piedmont. We are considered the gateway to the Shenandoahs. And among the many roles our foundation plays is that of grant maker. And as such, we are always on the lookout for projects that carry long term positive outcomes for the health of the communities we serve. Culpeper is an agricultural area. We, we deal with rural health challenges and challenges of health disparities. We've convened four panelists today to talk about Culpeper, Culpeper County, and how we in fact arrive at a healthy town Culpeper. The idea specifically is to understand the health risks and then uh, develop solutions to mitigate those risks. There are indeed health risks here. And I, I, with that in mind, I want to direct our first question to Eugene Triplett. Mr. Triplett is a fourth-generation farmer here. He's also sustained a lifelong career as a pharmacist. He claims he's retired. I don't believe it, as he works tirelessly for our community. And Eugene, be it urban or rural, in fact, Healthy foods are key to sustaining healthy communities. How are the health and medical sectors establishing and partnering with the farmers, producers, and agricultural institutions to mitigate the health crisis in care? Well, looking back on, on the pandemic of, that we are currently going through, I think that's raised the awareness that the health community and the farming and agricultural community have had to deal with the problems of food um, shortages and, and all like that. I think in the past, the health community has not partnered a lot with the agricultural community as far as mitigating health issues. As you said, I've been a pharmacist for over 40 years and basically I've benefited from unhealthy lifestyles and people not eating healthy I basically made my living selling pills to treat diabetes rather than trying to prevent diabetes. And so I think now there's been a, uh, a, a focus more on preventative health and then treating health. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like I said earlier to someone, not calling a name, but I, it was the old adage with the Fram oil filter it said, you can pay me now, pay me later. So do you want to sell the $12 Fram oil filter? Do you want to pay for the $1,200 uh, engine repair? And so I think now the, the health industry and the farming industry is basically talking to each other and saying, what can we do to uh, mitigate this health crisis that we're having right now? How do you go about making those relationships? Well, I think there's a good relationship and. I said, I'm here representing not only the, the, the health industry as, as a, as a um, pharmacist, but also, I'm a, I, you know, I tell everybody I'm a farming pharmacist. And uh, so farming has been my passion all my life. But, uh, you know, the, the relationships that we're, we're forming now, I think people are looking at health in a, in a whole different light. Like I said, I think the pandemic 
has raised a, a lot of issues that we're seeing how important healthy foods and, 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 and healthy lifestyles play in our healthcare system. Like I said, I, I always said if we if we got everybody healthy and and cured all the diseases, Novant Health and all of the other health systems would be out of business and we wouldn't have to do anything. But but I think there's a great partnership developing now, and I think we need to increase this partnership. So Tammy McGrath, uh, you're on the health side. You uh, spent almost four decades as a nurse, and you now are the executive director of the Culpeper Free Clinic. Um, you you uh, are part of our solution, certainly. The Free Clinic certainly is 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 an extraordinary organization. Um, and I'm curious because uh, tell us about your garden project. So. I also benefit from Eugene's retirement and that he volunteers <laughs> at our free clinic. <laughs> and when I started there, February of 2020, we had these humongous shrubs in front of the building and they were horrible and we had them cut down. But then we had a lot of discussions about what to do with the space. And uh, someone had the brilliant idea of, make them into gardens. And so we had already been benefiting our patients from the minority and veterans farmers in Piedmont would bring us some produce when they could. Um, and we thought, well, this is a good way for people to, our patients to kind of get in the mindset of healthy eating and healthy vegetables and how easy it is to grow them. So we had a project set up with the minority and veterans farmers of the Piedmont and Virginia Tech. And we had an educational session open to the community where we had these four by eight garden boxes built in front of the clinic. And they videotaped it as an education session. And we um, started planting in them and we planted tomatoes and peppers and zucchini and we really got a lot of vegetables out of there and we made the most of it by having our nutritionists keep uh, recipes that were in line with whatever was harvesting at that moment. And um, it's been great. Patients love it. They come in and I have this Pavlovian reaction because we have these little plastic bags sitting on a big table of vegetables and I'm in my office and when I hear those plastic bags start rustling, I start like getting this happy feeling like, you know, when your dog hears you opening the can opener, like, <laughs> but it's just, you know, they're really enjoying it and they're taking the vegetables and we're trying to make the most again of looking at ways to prevent by saying, now, what do you do with them? And can you grow them? And, you know, how can we use these instead of canned vegetables or can we freeze these? So we've been doing a lot with that and, and making the most of it. Oh, that's terrific. Um, is it volunteers that manage the, the, the project or? Yeah, we have um, a, another retired person who was actually a nutritionist with the Virginia um, Tech Cooperative Extension. And she and her husband have managed 
a great deal of that garden. And we also have involved some of the participants in Options, a local program for youths at risk, um, and even some of our patients and some of our just regular volunteers get out there and do everything from weed to harvest to, you know, keep the tables set up with the produce. So, yeah. Yeah, so it takes a full circle to to find your way to preventative health. Mm -hmm. um, Kim, you're on the health care side as well as the Director of Community and Diversity, Inclusion and Equity Engagement, UVA Community Health. Tell me some of the ways that, that you engage that uh, on the health side, how you engage with community to promote health and healing and, and treatment. Yeah, happy to share and to, to build on what um, Eugene had shared about, you know, putting us out of business. Yeah, that's, that's the space that, um, that I work in is, is really trying to keep people out of the hospital, right, with that preventative um, work. So we, we really focus on engagement that facilitates authentic connections and address health needs, and that's, that's through partnerships. That's partnering with organizations um, and individuals such as this panel uh, within, within the community. And I guess I would start with saying, you know, our goal um, as a health and wellness organization is really to improve the health of the individuals in the communities that we serve, and that's promoting health and healing and treatment. And we know this um, from our community health needs assessment, and what our community has already shared with us are the greatest health needs. So we have, um, we have outlined specific objectives that we're seeking to achieve through our partnerships and, and relationships with others in the community. And it's really inclusive of increasing access to healthcare services and programs. Um, and that includes everything from transportation to medication assistance, um, connection to programs, promoting healthy behaviors. Uh, and a lot of it is through education as well. Um, education through awareness of risk factors, um, linking individuals and getting them connected to resources. Um, and that's everything focused on chronic disease such as uh, cancer. Um, so that chronic disease management and prevention. Um, cancer, as I mentioned, um, mental health and substance use disorder. And we know that health also starts um, in our communities. So supporting safe and healthy neighborhoods, um, again, access to healthy food and food security. And we do these efforts really by participating and engaging with our communities. So this is everything from health fairs to health education, health screening, uh, collaborative events, um, immunizations, and really looking at Kind of targeted care navigation and a, a few examples if um, you allow me the time. So an example of an annual event that we host in partnership um, with a community business in Culpeper, um, Pepperberries is called Pamper Me Pink. And so that's just one example and the event was really designed to celebrate um, women's health, breast health, and promote awareness. And so through the event, through the partnership open to the community, um, we are encouraging screening mammograms. We're also taking the opportunity to explain exams and procedures that, you know, may be 
maybe scary to some individuals, right? The, the unknown. So we bring in our subject matter experts to really, you know, have conversation and explain exams like what is a breast MRI um, or what is lymphedema? And through that um, channel and that partnership, through that event and community building as well, is really sharing some recommendations as well. Um, so most recently, with our, our recent Camper Me Pink, uh, we shared a yoga video and how there are health benefits to yoga, either as a current patient or a cancer patient in their journey or transitioned into survivorship, um, but really to talk about some of the different ways and recommendations. Um, trying to think of uh, something else. Our, our food services team at, at the hospital shared a recipe for healthy smoothies, so filled with antioxidants. Um, and then most importantly, sharing of personal stories. So in the community, really sharing stories of individuals to promote hope and healing and support and strength. Um, that's terrific. Chris Forston, you are a trainer, Divergent Performance. And you're well-versed in healthy living, and you also have Chris, the opportunity to work one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, as Kim, Kim was mentioning, some of these are, <clears throat> this is personal. This is, uh, it's, it's, it's one person, two people make a community. So when, so tell me what you do on a daily basis to work with your folks to make sure that they maintain health. Uh, yes. And what an op uh, awesome opportunity I, I have now, you know, uh, really, uh, sort of being the front line of of the health, uh, you know, force, if you will. So um, <clears throat> we we have, and we've talked a little bit about, you know, some of the pharmaceutical stuff um, with Eugene. We talked about, you know, the healthcare system, the hospitals. But as far as preventative, you know, care goes, in my realm, uh, there's there's uh, not that I didn't have purpose before, but man, what what a purpose we have now, you know, post uh, pandemic here, um, and and becoming a little bit more of an educator uh, myself, um, becoming more well-versed and, and, you know, being motivated to, to get down to more of the nitty gritty details of the ins and outs of, of why, you know, sleep is so important, why hydration is so important, why nutrition is so important, why, you know, we, we, we see people an hour at a time, but the conversation is really turning toward what happens the other 23 hours of the day. And that's, so crucial and so important in people understanding, you know, I think a, a lot of times people, you know, used to come to, you know, the, the health, health and, you know, fitness industry and, you know, they come for an hour at a time and it's almost like, you know, their workout gives them an out, you know, of, of sorts. And um, while that may be, you know, true to some degree, it's really not the, uh, the approach that we want, you know, everyone to take. So, really making sure that everyone understands that, you know, your workout itself, the hour that you spend in here is greatly affected by the other 23 hours. You know, if you don't sleep well, your body's not going to respond well in the workout. If you aren't fueled properly, your body's not going to respond well. If you're not hydrated, your body's not going to respond well. And, you know, we talk about, you know, overall risk mitigation and, and these strategies 
um, to develop, you know, healthier communities and healthier people. And the, the better job that I feel like I can do from that personal standpoint um, and, and reaching people and, and having those discussions, you know, I, I hope there's a little bit of a domino effect that takes place. And, you know, that they can communicate with their family members. They can start installing um, a lot of these adjustments and, and new habits that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about with them as, as individuals. And, you know, we, we start talking about making small adjustments. Um, you know, if you drink uh, a lot of poor fluids, if it's, you know, sodas and, and high sugary, you know, drinks, then we're going to start talking about how to cut some of that stuff down, adding water to the equation. And, you know, like, like I said, just making those small adjustments at a time. And um, if we can really, you know, educate people on, on how to make those small adjustments. And that's really one of my, my big missions coming out of this, this situation. Uh, I think we're going to have some, some fantastic outcomes, you know, down the road. Yep, I think so. It's uh, prevention seems to be the word that I'm I'm hearing again and again from all of our panelists, um, and that's uh, far reaching. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the attention to cancer. Cancer is uh, uh, unusually prevalent here in Culpeper. We have a high high incidence of cancer here, and Eugene, I'm gonna come back to you. What, what strategies, what tactics are, are you implementing through your volunteer work, for instance, to uh, stress the importance of building that healthy community in order to, in the hope of preventing an illness uh, that, that can really ravage a community like cancer? Well, as we're talking about cancer right now and we talk about education and awareness, I think one of the, the things we have to do is we have to educate the public that we do have a problem. Uh, you know, you can't treat something if you're not aware that there's a problem. And and so I think as far as, you know, we need to let the community know that, hey, Culpeper has a high incidence of cancer. We, you know, we have, uh, you know, a problem here. And then once people are aware of a problem, then they, they're a little more, apt to want to find a solution to the problem. Uh, one of the things I've found out, and I've tried to do this for about five years and it hasn't worked, but Madison County, I think in the African-American population has one of the highest incidence of prostate cancer. And my solution to that at one time is with me, and I know we were just talking about Pamper Me Pink as far as women, uh, you know, getting that annual mammogram and all like that. African-American men, they, when you tell them you, we need to go uh, have a prostate exam, they, they cringe and that it's the, you know, it's the old adage of the finger and they're not aware of the, of the blood tests. And so one of the things I've always said, African-American men go to the barbershop once a month. I mean, that's just, that's what we do. And if somehow we could have a PSA test administered in barbershops, I think we would, you know, we would get a lot of African-American men diagnosed before they you know, realize they have prostate cancer. But, uh, you know, it's an education and awareness, and you have to be aware of a problem before you can find a solution. And, uh, you know, most people aren't aware that they have a problem. And, and so I think uh, one of the things we've done with the free clinic, we've, we've had educational uh, you know, like I said, with the nutrition that's coming in, especially with healthy eating, uh, 
you know, a lot of people don't know how to cook healthy foods. They don't know how to, you know, new foods that are out there that are healthy for them. So once you educate them, a prime example I can list is we had at the Carver Center, we let's say last year we donated over 9,000 pounds of produce from the Carver Center to local food banks. But at one time we had so much zucchini that we didn't know what to do with it, but we took it up to Rappahannock and one of the chefs up there started cooking zucchini lasagna and they cooked a lot of uh, zucchini lasagna and they gave it to a lot of families up there on a Saturday. And then all of a sudden people said, man, this is good. I never know you could make uh, you know, lasagna from zucchini. And so now people had another, and so that's education and awareness. That's what you have to do to, to let people know. And as Chris said, you know, it's, you know, we only see people for one or two hours. It's what, you know, it's what they do the other 20, 24 to 23 to 22 hours of a day that really impacts their health. And so we have to educate people and make them aware that hydrate, uh, sleep well, and all of these preventative things will help. Tammy, what, what do you see at the free clinic in terms of in terms of cancer patients, uh, and, and 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 also a reluctance to seek medical treatment. Uh, do you face some of those challenges? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, one of the things that we come up against right uh, right from the start is that some of our patients not only have they maybe not gone to a doctor in a long time, some of them have literally never been to a doctor. Some of our patients who are coming in who are from Central America and recently arrived, they have never been to a doctor and definitely never been to a doctor here in this country. I apologize for that phone. Um, so what we come up against right away is that, and then trying to show the importance of looking at their lives and looking at what they're doing and, and what they could do differently. They, they really have no idea that maybe there's healthier ways to do things. And then do they want to? Do they want to change how they've been doing things their whole lives and their families before them? And that's how they were taught. So it is a big challenge and compliance is a huge challenge. We have, um, really have to, you know, explain, explain, teach, teach, teach to try and um, get people to do the things to get ahead of this. And so it, it is a challenge for us, absolutely. So I'm going to shift a little bit here. These are, all of you told some very um, personal stories in terms of working one-on-one -on -one with people, in terms of how you approach community. Uh, Kim, you're, um, you have a way in which to use data to inform strategies and decisions. And I'm curious about what, uh, what UVA Community Health does in terms of their use of data to inform. Yeah, so utilizing data to understand um, community needs really gives um, strategic direction to to the work that we lead, um, and it's varying um, data points. So we use public health data, um, obviously data that we see from from the hospitals, um, the community health needs assessments, and that really guides our work. 
Um, so the hospital conducts a, a community health needs assessment every three years, and that's a collaborative approach that we work with um, many partners, such as the, the panel here today, um, and key stakeholders in the community to really um, survey and, and ask the community, what, what are the greatest needs? What are your greatest concerns and health concerns? And then we take that information um, and with the help of partners, really look at building out a plan and, and solutions. So the strategies, you know, they, they vary um, and it depends really with what the specific problems are that are being addressed um, and the community demographics. So, you know, what are those patient populations or where are the specific geographies, like Eugene mentioned, you know, seeing um, high incidence of prostate cancer in Madison. Um, and we take all of that information and that informs basically our strategy with our partners on the solutions on, on where we should go. So more education, you know, in specific geographies um, or, or communities or neighborhoods. I would like to turn the attention now a little bit from present day to the future. And Chris, in the work that you do, how do you do future planning? And how, how taking what you know now, um, and understanding how you work one on one with people, how do you think about down the road and what to bring your what to bring your folks down the road? Well, I mean, I think it starts with you know uh, short term goals versus long term goals. You know, we're talking about short term strategies, how we're going to you know lay the foundation for uh, starting to produce some good outcomes and and starting to feel you know feel good. And then, you know, uh, understanding how those uh, short or, or short-term goals, the, uh, the small adjustments play a much larger role in the long term. And, uh, you know, one of the great things um, about, you know, making adjust adjustments in your life is that they can be done at any time, you know, and then they're going to have a positive outcome. So whether you're, you know, 30 years old and, you know, you haven't lived the healthiest life or maybe you have. And you just need to continue that or you're, you know, 65 and, um, you know, things just, you know, you didn't really have a focus on, on your health. You, there, there's no time in one's life where you can't start making these adjustments and they're going to have, you know, positive outcomes. So wherever you're, wherever you're starting, um, it's, it's just it's so important to understand that it's never too late um, to find, you know, what you need in, in your life to, you know, get moving and, and get healthy and, and understand um, all, all the positive benefits that are to come um, when you surround yourself with those habits and, and how those habits, you know, play off on the, on the people around you. Uh, so, you know, we're talking a little bit about the hour that I see people, you know, in, in the building, but, you know, I'm, I'm also encouraging, you know, these folks, um, like we said, these other 23 hours of the day, you know, do you love to dance? Do you love hiking? Do you love nature? Do you love swimming? You know, what is it? Is, is there something that you really enjoyed doing as a kid that you you all of a sudden started telling yourself that, you know, you can't do as an adult? Why, why is that? Uh, go back to those roots. Go back to what you really enjoyed as a, as a kid and find a way to make that come to life and really see, you know, how that plays into your confidence, plays into your, you know, your just positive your 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 well-being your i mean everything so um it's it's trying to really understand uh the individual themselves and getting them to understand and see 
you know, maybe movement in a different light, right? Like we talked about, most people don't think about dance as a form of movement, but it's a, it's a beautiful form of movement and it's, it's, it's healthy. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So, um, it's, it's really trying to, I guess, uh, form those long-term strategies and align them with, you know, some of those things people maybe enjoyed one time in their life or, or gave up, or maybe it's something that they wanted to do, but they never got involved in, uh, but helping them find their way in movement and health uh, to develop a strategy that is going to be uh, something that they can sustain, right? Sustainability is, is huge in, the, in this whole conversation. So yeah, that is true. That's so a little bit of looking backwards in order to go forward, which is kind of nice. I like that idea. Yeah, in some sense. Sure. What do you see down? What do you see? What do you see down the road in terms of the future of the organizations that you're involved with, and some of the collaborations, some of the partnerships? Uh, where? What? What's your hope? Well, as far as partnering, I, I, I have a lot of ideas, and implementing those ideas have, uh, you know, it's going to take. Uh, Tammy and can allude to this. You know, we are a volunteer organization, and it's hard to get volunteers to do something. Uh, one of the one of the hopes that we wanted to start, and I, I've been talking to uh, our organization, but to Kim uh, with UVA Health. But one of the the things is, you know, in the hospital. Are you serving healthy foods to your patients and your employees? And, you know, I, that, that's one of the things I find with a lot of people. They always complain about the, the food in the hospital. Uh, but, uh, you know, are you, are you serving healthy, nutritious uh, foods in the hospital? And one of the things I, I wanted to work with them to partner with is, you know, we have a lot of local uh small farmers here in the Culpeper community. And I wondered if maybe the hospital would partner with some of these small farmers and purchase healthy foods from them, uh, which uh, I think Chris said something about sustainability. But uh, if we don't if we don't support the local small farmers, uh, I think the pandemic let us know when when the supermarkets ran out of eggs and milk and meat and all of that, it was a small farmer that that you know got everything back together and got people fed again and i think the small farmer is and the local farmers are what's going to make this partnership work that's terrific tammy what's your hope for down the road how do you how do you see the free clinic participating in a more deep relationship with the community i think we have some really good partnerships um, and I'd like to keep growing them. I will say that um, the hospital has been amazing to our patients. Um, they help with um, screenings, lab work, all of that, so that our patients don't have to pay for that because, frankly, they wouldn't go if they did have to. They, you know, they just couldn't afford it. And so you know, that in itself is very preventative for our patients. We have such a great partnership with the Carver School and the Minority and Veterans Farmers. And um, we've even connected some of our patients through um, a program that is working with Hispanic farmers to develop more, um, you know, 
of them, you know, encouraging that population to get involved with farming. So I think we're hoping to keep that going and grow it some more too, since a large population of our patients are Spanish speaking individuals. Um, and, you know, I think there's lots of ways to keep people involved. We have some students through um, the school. We've had some um, of the participants at Options, a local youth program who also help with the gardens. So I think that there's, you know, there's just lots of ways to keep going and think about all kinds of ways to be preventative and proactive. And, you know, I just, I think so much of health is expensive for our patients. I hate to say that, but healthy food is expensive for our patients. And, you know, we have um, been able to get some of our patients in for some fitness programs that they might not be able to afford also. So, you know, I think all of that, hopefully we can keep going forward with. So you help mitigate some of the costs of food by having your remarkable garden. Are there other tactics you take to mitigate that very real problem of cost? Yeah, there's, um, we have, uh, you know, all, there's a lot of good partnerships in Culpeper. There's a lot of good programs for food um, between the churches and the food bank. And so we try to make sure that they're aware of all of that as well. And we, as part, one of our programs we're hoping to do next year is we have some gift cards for some of the grocery stores and our nutritionist wants to take patients into the store and teach them how to shop healthier. Um, you know, kind of shopping around the outside of the store and the middle of the store where all the canned goods are and all the, you know, saltier things. So, um, so that's something we had planned to do this year, but of course COVID kind of limited a lot of that sort of outing uh, programs. So that's something we're hope to grow next year too. Kim, what are you, what's your hope for down the road? What, what kind of a program or programs would you like to see um, to help mitigate these health risks? Well, and cost should not be, um, you know, a barrier to, to one's health and well-being. So I'm, I'm excited about, you know, even just hearing more about some of the initiatives here with the partnerships and the opportunities that exist um, with, with the hospital and the health system, again, forming these partnerships with local farmers and, you know, hosting and conducting free, you know, PSA screenings in communities. And I'm just um, really excited about the opportunities on, on working um, more closely with each other to really bring these um, to, to our community and to, to neighborhoods that really, you know, need it most. Um, looking forward to you know, seeing the other side of this pandemic and, you know, getting back to in-person and being able to really provide these opportunities to our community. Because it's obviously, yeah. it's been challenging, you know, the past year and a half um, in, in a virtual world to be able to really connect with our communities. So I will, we need to start to wrap up here. I want to ask all of our panelists, is there anything that you'd like to talk about that was, has not been mentioned 
either as a as a unique partnership that has been established, either as uh, something that you or your organization has done for, that has really made a difference that other people around the country and around the world should hear about and could perhaps replicate. You know, I was always taught as a young nonprofit person that one of the key elements of a good nonprofit was that it was replicable. Um, I'll ask you first, Eugene, since you started, we'll end with, we'll start to end with you first. Well, I, I, I think one of the, the, the new initiatives that, uh, and Tammy can allude to this, we just talked about just briefly, but as a pharmacist, I, you know, we, we talked about a food prescription. And, and so when people, you know, we, we, we want to do that. And so basically, and, and cost should not be a barrier to whatever, but, you know, when a patient leaves the hospital and, you know, uh, Chris, he talks about exercise and I never thought about dancing, but in the African-American, especially the elderly community, hand dancing is a, is something that a lot of people like to do and i think that's something we we could get a lot of people to to get exercise and, and you know make it fun uh you know that's that's what we have to do but i mean it's it's you know we've got a lot of projects and this food prescription thing and and uh we, we want to be able to give a person a, a prescription when they leave and say okay we want you to to eat healthy i posted something on facebook the other day that i got from one place and it says the question shouldn't be why is eating healthy so expensive. The question should be why is eating junk food so cheap? And mm-hmm. and, and I think mm-hmm. you know it's it, it comes down to to dollars. And like I said, it's it's cheaper to eat junk food than it is to eat healthy. And Kim said something about removing the the, the financial barrier to healthy lifestyles. And I think like I said I know UVA Health, and I can allude to that with the free clinic. You know, they provide so much free screening, uh, blood work, lab work and all of that stuff. And that's, you know, that's something that I think we need to continue those partnerships with. But like I said, we've got a good group of people here. If we all work together, you know, no man is an island. So if we all work together and everybody you know works together, preventing, um, you know, maintaining and, and doing that, I think it's going to be a, a, a good good partnership, especially here in the cup of a community. Yeah, I agree. Tammy, is there a last thought you want to leave the audience with? I would have to say that, you know, in the beginning of me starting at the free clinic, of course, COVID kicked right in and it limited so much of my ability to meet people and, you know, only seeing people on Zoom or, you know, but now I I really think that, you know, the more that I've been able to get out and meet people, you know, this last couple of months, at least, the Culpeper community is very supportive and has a huge heart. They love to give, they love to be a part of things. And, you know, they, the more people I meet and the more connections we make, it's, you know, it allows you to really brainstorm and really come up with some great ideas. And so I feel very hopeful that, you know, with that heart and with that, you know, those connections, we can come up with lots of good new ideas and that, you know, we will find each other and grow, you know, grow in lots of ways. Terrific. Yeah. Kim, do you have some final thoughts? 
Um, just to echo and add on um, to what others have shared, just really, you know, I, I truly believe that community is the solution. So as we engage with the community to understand what, you know, what are, what are we facing, what are our greatest needs, and involving um, each other in the solution, because we have vested interests um, in building a plan together um, and, and recognizing that, you know, health, health starts in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces. Um, so as we look at all of, you know, social determinants of health, it, it truly starts um, at, a, at an early age um, and outside the walls of the, of the hospitals. And so how we can, you know, work together really to address, you know, these root causes that influence health, um, I think we're going to see greater health outcomes if we really come together as a community and make investments and um, look at programs and initiatives um, that are addressing those root causes. Yeah, it's an optimistic approach. Chris, final thoughts? It's time to take action. Um, yeah. You know, this 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 is uh, a, a very, very crucial time um, coming off of the situation that we all found ourselves in. And uh, with a heightened level of awareness, people are, are more aware today than they were, you know, several years ago. And, and it's becoming more important to people. And I think it's, it's really just a matter of, uh, you know, providing those programs, the education, uh, providing the opportunities for people to soak this stuff up um, because they, they, there is this, you know, higher uh, level of sensitivity to the subject material. And, and people, people want to get healthier now more than ever, I believe. And uh, if we can take advantage of this opportunity and not let it slide, um, it's, it's going to be very, very important for the long term. And, you know, just touching on some of the stuff that, you know, we, we spoke about earlier and, you know, even Eugene, you mentioned dancing a second ago. Um, and just to provide another example of, you know, maybe going back to our roots, uh, I've, I've seen in areas where uh, <clears throat> uh, centers, community centers or uh, public works um, programs have walking basketball leagues. So rather than playing, you know, basketball, you know, jumping, running, you know, it's, it's just strictly walking. That's, that's all you can do. You can't run. And, you know, for our older population, obviously that's a little bit something that might be uh, more enticing. Um, and what, what a great way to get involved in movement again, um, get back to your roots, find fun. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's about, you know, uh, finding those things. And uh, it's, it's important for us, you know, as we talk on this panel to, to take the action, right? We've got to create these opportunities. We've got to make things come to life. And we've got to, you know, make people understand that they can trust us to, uh, to provide those opportunities and, and, you know, provide sustainable programs that are going to help people long term. Terrific. Well, I want to thank the founder of uh, the organization Less Cancer, Bill Cousins, who's produced, who is producing this show and allowed us to join together this morning to have this conversation. He's assisted by Laura Scharfenberg. And then we also worked closely with the Office of Continuing Medical Education at UVA with Wendy Seawack. And thank you to our panelists. This was, uh, this was informative and uh, lots of, I heard such great stuff going on in the Culpeper community. And I am, it's a wonderful thing to hear the word hopeful. Um, and I think uh, I'd like to hope that um, that's how people walk away from this panel is feeling a little more hopeful about community solutions. Thank you.